Welcome to episode 24 of the Metabytes podcast and today's chat was with Dave Clare who is an author, leadership coach and a speaker. I really hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the first episode of Metabytes podcast that has been done in the last four months and I have an extra special guest today. What's your name again? Yes. It's all right. My mother can't even remember. (laughs) We have Dave Clare joining us, a friend who I've known now for a couple of years. Two years, yeah. This this, this podcast is two years in the making. (laughs) Exactly. It's been building up. Yes. Building up to this very You need to have a four-month layoff in preparation for this one. And we have a little little tipple that we are drinking today. Yes. And it is... Tuesday, 7 a.m. No, no only joking. <laughs> it it's, is it's 8 a, a Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, 7.30. It is a Friday afternoon, close to Christmas. Yes. About, what time is it? About 3 o'clock? It's almost three, 4 o'clock. Almost 4 o'clock. So I think that's ample On a Friday, 4 p.m. A, on a Friday. For a whiskey. Happy hour. For a, an Australian whiskey. And cheers, yes. Dave. This is Starward whiskey, matured in red wine barrels. So um, it's a whiskey I've had before, and it's... Absolutely it amazing. Is, uh, I'm, I'm assuming I haven't had a sip in advance that it's divine. I've already had six glasses of it, so it <laughs> could, could be a good podcast. Well, thank uh, you very yeah. much for coming in. It's been great. Thanks. <laughs> Let's get into it. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, Dave? There is an accent I do detect. That is correct. Um, I'm thinking... Kanazi. <laughs> Canozian? Yes. Yes. How long have you been in Oz from uh, Canada? Born and bred Canadian. Uh, I was uh, about 16 when we moved to Australia the first time. This is my ah. second time in Australia. Okay. Uh, they let here. you back in? Yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> then they let me back into Canada. And after seven years, everything gets absolved, apparently. The, uh, <laughs> so the, um, yeah, so my family moved over here when, when I was 16, and um, I, I grew up in my teen years here. Went to 10, 11, 12, Craigie Senior High School in Perth, West Australia. And, uh, Shout out to Craigie yeah, Crew, the Craigie Crew. To the Craigie Crew, the Craigie Senior High School doesn't exist anymore. The, uh, they tore it down, put some houses in, paved paradise oh. and put up a parking lot or something. <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, so I lived here and then uh, grew up in the banking industry, banking and finance industry here. Uh, in, in was actually the R&I Bank back in the old R&I Bank days, which then became Bank West. So I was with Bank West for 13 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, left there to go to Papua New Guinea um, and was over there in banking again, but it was uh, with the P&G BC, the Papua New Guinea Banking Corporation. But it was actually, as an independent contractor, my very first uh, foray into leadership. So I was a leadership development consultant uh, hired by the bank to work with the national managers and the expatriates. Um, to take them out of the 60s and 70s of ma- leadership and management, move them into the modern You're 90s. You're that old, Dave, are you? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going way back now. Uh, you know, my, I carried my Sony 8-track Walkman. The, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was over there. Then from there, left, uh, and then went back to Canada for 10 years, where I um, uh, further expanded my leadership uh, business and uh, grew up my family there and my own family, and then moved back to Australia in 2009. 
and have been here ever since Nearly now. 10 so years, ten years, yeah. 10 it was actually it was ten years. Um, August twenty seventh, we were here ten years. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so amazing. I'm a dual citizen, so which hence I'm a Kanazi. So I've got a, a hockey puck and a meat pie floating around up in there. So I <laughs> speak with a Canadian accent, but I use Australian words. That's good. That's good. What about the Geraldton part of your existence? Because yeah. I think when I first knew of you was through Conrad Francis. Yep. Shout out to to Swaggy. The, the Swaggy C. Yeah. Um, you were in Geraldton working for a company there in a, a leadership role or in a yes. team, a team yeah. role? Yeah, it was, uh, so when we moved back to uh, Australia in 2009, uh, after the global financial crisis and all that sort of decimated a lot of the business that I had back in Canada at that time, I'm happy to explore into that too. Um, but yeah, we came back here and then we thought, oh, I was going to start my coaching practice again here in, in, in West Australia, and my wife suggested, well, why don't you just apply for a couple of jobs while we're here and see what happens? We did come back for lifestyle reasons and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so I applied for a job, and two weeks later, we were up in Geraldton having a look around because that's where the opportunity happened to present itself. And uh, yeah, and my wife took one look around at Geraldton. She said, you're taking this job, and that's how I ended up in Geraldton. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but it was one of the best things for ever happened for our family. Um, so, yeah, and then I was the uh, general manager of ATC Midwest at the time. So it was a not-for-profit organization that was helping young people get apprenticeships and traineeships. And the board approached me if I would be interested in running the organization because in the peak of the boom, it was in significant trouble. And within two years, it was going to be bust. So, uh, yeah, so it was an opportunity for me to get back in the trenches, roll my sleeves up. It was um, for me to practice my craft again, having had my own business back in Canada for 10 years, coaching and, and leading uh, other leaders to do that in their business. And I just thought it was a wonderful opportunity for me to become a practitioner again. So, so. Lead leadership then, if we're going back to your, your younger days as, mm. a, as a kid running around Canada, when was the first... When did you think about leadership or how did you develop a, a knowledge of it or was it something that you're always good at or like would you would you naturally go into a leadership position say in sports teams or like where, where did leadership yeah. show up in your life originally? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, certainly where it showed up was in through my parents. Uh, my dad, uh, mom, I think, you know, always blessed with great parenting. Uh, so I was fortunate in that space. But my dad was a big volunteer in terms of JCs, a junior chamber of commerce. Um, so he was national vice president of the Canadian JCs. Uh, you know, he was, and then became a senator for the JCs, then very big in Rotary and various other things like that. So I always saw him, you know, and he was, whilst he was employed by other organizations, but he was taking a leadership role in his community and uh, through volunteering. Um, but when I, we moved to Australia, uh, like in my own childhood, like I was... Um, I was probably more the class clown than anything else, surprisingly. I, I can imagine that. Surprisingly. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, apparently, I suffer from middle child syndrome, apparently, uh, <laughs> as the one of three boys. Uh, but, yeah, when we came back to Australia, when I started in the bank, um, I just had a, you know, there was opportunities to present itself when I was the senior teller at Bank West in Murray Street, uh, right in Murray Street Mall, which uh, the Bank West isn't there anymore. Uh, but when the supervisor was ill or on leave, I stepped up in, into that role. I just naturally progressed into that role and a couple other opportunities presented themselves. And so I seemed to have this flair to work with people. And then when BankWest, uh, when R&I became the BankWest, um, they were looking for customer service managers and things like that. And so I submitted my name for one of the roles and I was one of the first customer service managers appointed to the North Metro region. region. So I was at Kingsley had a small team, then had went to a larger branch with a larger team, and so on and so on. 
uh, yeah, and it just progressed from there. And then I became the customer service manager for Sterling Gate Belketta. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was looking after Belketta and Belga branches, both the branches, right where the regional office was. And that's where I met my real first mentor outside my dad, which was uh-huh. John McGuinness, who I'm actually catching up with next week. So he's been a mentor in my life since 1989. What did 90? he do to where you recognized him as a mentor like what was the first interaction with him because obviously mentors are such an important part of, of oh, growing it, yeah. at any stage in life yeah 100 how, uh, how did you connect with him well so as a regional manager uh, he, it was really cool because and i think this is really important from understanding what a mentor is like or and where i got this foray into like much more uh, understanding that was leadership that i was really in um, john noticed something in me that i didn't see in myself and i think that's what great mentors do he could see something in me that I couldn't see in myself. So my self-image where it was, he saw a much bigger image of me than I saw, and he helped me to see a bigger picture of what I was capable of. Uh, and then he invested in me, not only in traditional banking stuff, but in programs and courses outside the bank. Um, I did the Pacific Institute's Investment in Excellence, um, uh, which was all about how your mind works, goal setting, all this sort of stuff. Which was really were these done on cassettes, or were they? Yeah, back in the, well, no, actually, we, we actually, uh, actually went to a three-day training and stuff like that, and. Uh, actual, it was really f- phenomenal in terms of non-traditional, something you wouldn't think you would learn in a bank. Um, and, and I took a little flair to that and, and started really practicing the principles that were in that. And then I was selected then from that to be one of the people who would become trained the trainer for the bank when they rolled the program out uh-huh. to the bank. So then I got to learn how to be the facilitator of those sorts of programs. So I got trained to be a facilitator. Um, and then with that, I was then took on other opportunities to lead larger teams within the bank and got to a stage where, like, you know, when we were running the call center at uh, 50 William Street or whatever it is, the, the small building beside the tall building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, there was, you know, the very first team uh, of, we had was, we were doing um, affinity lending for all across Australia from Bank West from Perth, where we were doing all this, uh, underwriting all these loans under different brand names uh, through the bank. And I got to lead the first team in that space. And we did so well with that team of bank johnnies that they said we were going to build another team. And I said, that's great, but I want to pick the next team. And what it is, I picked a bunch of people who'd never done banking before. Mm. But I picked a truck driving uh, dispatch operator. I picked a, you know, a, someone who had a tremendous hospitality and looked over this really diverse sort of team, of people who understood people and could communicate really well because I figured I could teach them how to do all the writing a home loan and all that sort of stuff through lending. So I got it, no, just left from John doing that, investing in me, doing these programs, to then leading these teams, to leading a bigger team, to that, then to growing new teams, to recruiting people. It just, yeah, just sort of snowballed from there. And then when I finished there, that's when I left to take on this opportunity and thought, you, you beauty, I can go to Papua New Guinea, which I'd never been before, um, to do this leadership and do it like as a full-time gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what yeah. sort of philosophies did you take there? If you have an underlying philosophy for kind of team building and leadership, what would be your kind of key philosophy? So well, it sounds to me, I'll, I'll try and extract what yep. I got from you when you bu- built the new team yep. in, at Bank West is that you you, you see the people. So yeah. the, the, which, you know, in business, I mean, we've both been in business yep. a long time and it's all about the people and connections. Yeah, 100%. It's all, I'm just saying, when I, as you're posing the question, I'm thinking, the first thing that popped in my head was, they're just people. <laughs> oh, they, yeah. You know? Um, and it was quite fascinating because I was trying to take your question into the context, but also layering it through Papua New Guinea because it was a little bit different in New Guinea in terms of the day I arrived, I was pulled aside by the senior vice president of the bank, the, an expatriate man. It's a day you can't teach these people anything. 
Yeah, I mean, literally, it says... Very just, open, open-minded yeah, gentleman, You, sh- you show them something, in two weeks' time, they'll be back doing what they always did. And he says, so just go out, have a good time, be safe, do what they said they want you to do, and just, you know, don't worry that you're not going to make a difference here. That was my introduction, day one, plus malaria, um, to... Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's a whole Was that story. like a red flag for you? Was that not a red... Sort of like, I mean, like a red flag as in a bull going yes, like... Yes, it was is... like a red flag to me, like it's a bull to a red Like, I was yeah. like... I was okay. so like fired up about that because here's the thing, Michael. It, they're the national people. They're the most beautiful people you'll meet in terms mm. of just so lovely. Um, they just haven't had the same educational opportunities that we have. But I could take anybody, any highly educated person, show them something they've never seen before, and I guarantee you, if I show it to them once, in two weeks later they'll be back doing what they always did as well. Yeah, and this because guy, human behavior is human behavior. We yeah. all have the same gray matter inside our skull. We do. We do. And we all evolve in the same way. Some, obviously, it just depends when evolution started. Yeah, but not only that. That guy that told you, you know, mm. they won't learn anything. I mean, that obviously comes with a prejudgment from his point of view, oh. which is... There's also self-fulfilling prophecy built into that, course, too. Of course, yeah. If I think that they're not going to learn anything, am I going to teach them anything? No. So the impact that we had, uh, the contract was for three years, but I left after 14 months. My then-wife was pregnant with our second second child and we just didn't want to raise another child there unfortunately the as much as the people are really beautiful and, and very kind there was a bad element which was extremely oh, bad of course, yeah. we could do a whole separate podcast on that um, <laughs> um, but the impact even in the 12 to 14 months we're there I still have connections thanks to Facebook and stuff that of people that I work with there uh, they sent me a message back this was only about three years ago there was a big event for the wrap-up of one of the other uh, the bank up merged or bought out by somebody else but in the ladies um farewell speech she mentioned me like this was 15 18 years after I'd been there like so you sit there and you think hmm. you know like just the, the the beauty of it was uh, I'm getting emotional well, about make, it right now I'm like I'm just like it just to, to know that you had that impact yeah. yeah yeah and that comes with the 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 drive that you have mm. not with a closed mind it was like yeah. an open mind no because so back to your question it's all about people and you know even with my book you know, simplified leadership is simple. You lead people. You know, it's just getting back to the pure essence of people. Do you look at the your people as employees first, people second, or people first, employees second? Yeah. So from a leadership point of view, that for me is one of my biggest philosophies is that these aren't employees or resources. These are human beings who have goals, dreams, desires. You same know, as us. Same yeah. as us. Yeah. Right? If you're the boss, uh, you know, the, these people have the same dreams and desires and whatever for their own lives. Uh, so if we start treating them more as human, you might get far better results from them. I suspect it, so. I know. It's a funny thing. <laughs> it's a really uh, – and, you know, and here's the funny thing. With all this advancement, digital disruption, technology, all this stuff that we're dealing with, this uncertainty that's milling around us right now, now is the most important time to bring humanity back to the workplace. Of course. Yeah. And to start thinking about our people as people. Yeah. Um, and anyone listening to this podcast, if you work for somebody, my, my question to you is – are you okay with being called a resource? Mm. Are you happy to be treated as a resource, a means to an end? Yeah. Because yep. I know I certainly am not when I'm working for an organization. Um, so maybe we should stop talking about our people as resources and maybe they'll stop acting like resources. Maybe if we start treating them like people and maybe they'll start bringing everything to the table. I think that's a beautiful philosophy. Yeah, so that's what it works in all aspects of life, yeah. not just business, obviously. Yeah, family, 100%. friends. Yeah, I look at my kids the same way. Like I don't look at them as you see you them know, as people. <laughs> yeah, well, I do. But like in terms of they're 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 human beings that I'm responsible to help 
you know, coach and shape and mentor. But, but they're, they're watching you. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're watching closely. me. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, I'm a parent first, you know, be great to be a friend and everything like that with them, which I get to now at a much more mature age now. My youngest is 20. Same, so like 16 and 19. Yeah. It is a, it's a different, a different playing field and it is. You're on a, it's just a different level. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking to them as adults. Yeah, yeah. And but you, I'd probably take more of a purely mental role um, outside of being really good friends with them. Yeah, and again, they're still watching you. They're still yeah. watching what you're doing. And I mean, you've had a, an interesting year or so yeah, in, yeah. in business. Yep. In life and business. Yep. And hitting some hard, hard spots, obviously. Yep. And then coming through that and just dominating the last, last sort of four or five months, which has uh, been... Yeah, it's probably been at least six now. Yeah. See, this year has gone very quick. Yeah, I know. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that, like how this year has been for you? Yeah, um, certainly uh, this year started at the end of last year. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was uh, as I ro- decided to roll back into the world and rebuild my business and do everything again. Uh, I wouldn't say because you know, we're going into 2020, so hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, but I built my business um, off of ego when I first came back into it. Like it was all about me being the author, the speaker, the, and I thought I was going to take the world stage and do all this sort of stuff. And I was, witnessed it as well. Our, yeah, our, yeah, our yeah, and, 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 yeah, hundred percent. And then like for me, and it was was a wonderful learning opportunity for me. Uh, you know, I've, I had the book, and it was the, the accolades. Of the book was phenomenal. I had one of the biggest book launches that uh, Ames ever had in its history. Um, so you know, it's all that was feeding. It was it was wonderful, and it was you know obviously very emotionally consuming at the time too. Um, and I was getting really cool speaking gigs. But you know what? To make a life as a speaker, you've got to be doing like a hundred gigs a year. You know, it's like a, to you know to. Have, um, and so I was this unknown entity though. Nobody knew who Dave Claire was. My my content was all relevant. Everything was like that. But my ambience of who I was and that nobody nobody knew who I was. And I just got to the stage where I almost didn't know who I was anymore. Hmm. And so I'd, I got lost, and then people were finding it hard to understand who I was. Yeah. And so that was sort of the tail end of the... Uh, they couldn't of, connect to you as a no, person. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with my content. Like, it was like, everyone was like, like, man, your content's amazing, but who the hell are you? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And there I'm thinking, well, I'm this amazing speaker, and I'm a published author, and I'm... You know, uh, so as seen on, yeah, as seen on, yeah. No, I don't, never did that. <laughs> the Metabytes podcast. Yes, yes. now use that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is going to take me <laughs> to the stratosphere. You like, don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was really a struggling time, and then I, uh, I brought somebody into the business with me to to evolve and grow with. Um, but there was no clear plan. There was nothing in place. There was a lack of structure. Everything that I would profess that an organization should have, I was, um, yeah, totally lacking. Because my goal was just to be this wonderful speaker and then have all these people do all the work. And um, once again, but it was just built off of ego. Was there a lack of purpose even? Um, or was the purpose there? Was the, the purpose was there, but uh, I didn't operationalize it. And this is what's really important because what my clients have worked with today is making sure you're very clear on how you're going to operationalize your purpose. Um, so I had a very clear sense of purpose, but I had no operationalization of it. Things you've got to do, the action. Yeah. The and I was almost... As much as shame to say, at some stage it was I wasn't my personal sense of meaning wasn't connected to my public sense okay. of purpose. And a this disconnect. Is what, okay. Yeah. So and it wasn't like it was disconnected. It just wasn't connected. Okay. You know, it just wasn't. So if you know, when I finally decided to work that out, then I could operationalize how I was going to fulfill that purpose in the world. Um, you know, that's for me when 
I thought, ah, right? And I really didn't know what my market needed or wanted. I knew what I wanted, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be this famous speaker, author who traveled the world and got paid lots of money to inspire people. But what I missed, uh, and it came when I started to look at my goal that I had written down, was it was to create and inspire purpose-driven leaders. And what I'd realized is that I was doing all the inspiring, inspiring stuff, but that is like fireworks. It's really exciting, but nothing was happening. And so I had to keep lighting fires all the time or setting off another firework and setting off another firework. But there was no sustainable opportunity to help mm. people evolve, no boots on the ground, no... Yep. So um, a great insight from Justin Bourne. I'm sure you've had him on your shout podcast. Out to, shout, shout out, out to, to JB. He's not been on Metabytes, okay. but he's on my, my hit list. Okay, so JB, stay, stay tuned. Sorry, uh, JB. Yeah. Um, but he said to me, Dave, you really should run some case studies and find out what small businesses are looking for. Like he, like everyone's seen my content. They've seen me do workshops that and they're like, this is great, but you need to find out how that relates to small business. So I ended up then running uh, back to back uh, over the a four or five month period, a leadership case study where I gave everything I had at a very reduced rate uh, to 25 business owners and leaders. So was I could 25, actually- 25, was it? That was, wow. yeah, 25 in the end. Hmm. Um, and what I did is I said, here's everything. Um, everything I have, what I want in return is to spend time in your kitchen, in the engine room of your business to understand, you know, what is it that you really are struggling with? Yep. And after going through all that study, what I found come March, uh, would have been by the end of March that I'd virtually finished all those case studies, that there was four things in common that every single one of those business owners and leaders had uh, a challenge with. And I thought, okay, so with all my content, and if they, they, they got to know me through that, so working with them one-on-one -on -one was obviously to help them do that. Um, I was like, if I could build a world-class process that for leaders that helped them evolve themselves and their businesses uh, so that for the, in terms of how to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people that they choose to serve, mm -hmm. um, I could bring like a whole bunch of value to this world. And so that was me starting to operationalize my purpose. And so I built, started mapping out, I had it written up on the wall, a world-class process for business, sorry, for leaders to, uh, for, for leaders and their businesses um, and the people that they choose to serve, right? And so that's what I was going to develop. And that's how I was going to operationalize my, my purpose. So it was like two bits. There was a missing part that came together. Yeah. And. Yeah, yeah and it was just like, duh. <laughs> you know, it's a, I think one of those aha moments is kind of like, you know, it's better than saying one of those duh moments. It's like, it was like almost staring me right in the face. Once yeah. I'd done it, wrote it up there. Yeah. Um, and when it was, it was so funny because the four things that all these businesses had in common was a lack of clear goals and expectations, mm -hmm. a lack of accountability, all right, a lack of alignment of culture and strategy, and lack of leadership depth and strength in their business. Wow, okay. Every single one of the 25 leaders that I work with, those were the four common denominators. There was a bunch mm -hmm. of other things, different things, but those were the four common denominators. So I said, okay, so my process then has to help build a culture and strategy alignment. It has to help them focus on what matters most. It has to then help them uh, build a culture and brand relationship. And it has to bust the myth that ex execution is hard. Because everyone thought, like, it's too hard to execute. We get all these plans. Nobody does anything. It never happens. So that was all the ingredients that went into me building my world-class process and part of the whole operationalization of the sense of purpose. And so once I started doing that, and then I just everything just started falling into place. And then here we are now, after doing that for six months, uh, work with regular clients, actually end up getting more speaking gigs. I've, you know, and I've, you know, like everything everyone tells you to do, I found my niche 
So I have a very clear sense of niche, but here's the important thing that I learned from my niche was that my biggest clients aren't even in my niche, <laughs> but they came from referrals from within my niche. Yep. Yeah, and there's the people connection again. Yeah, and it yeah. was. It was just because my goal was to add as much value as possible to these people, but now it made sense to them. Now they're getting to see who I was. Their stuff was relevant to them. So once again, what I talk about is staying relevant in the hearts and minds of the people you choose to serve. Yeah. I was relevant in probably in the minds, but not in the hearts. Okay. But once I got into the kitchen, found out what their personal stresses and challenges were, and I could show them a system to do that and actually care about them as human beings first. It's the same thing. Like I care about my clients as human beings first. Client second. Yep. No different than employees. I care about you as a human being first, employee second. And this is a scalable um, yeah. system, I take yeah. it. Yeah, and so with that, you know, this is a, we were talking about this with a group the other night, is that my, my business plan, if you like, it's set on trigger points. So it's, I've reverse engineered my mission in terms of what I need to become in the next three years to what I need to do in the next 12 months to what I'm doing this quarter, but everything is set on trigger points. So once I get to here, it triggers this. Then when this happens, then it triggers that. When, so everything's okay. all set. So I don't have to even think about all this other stuff. People go, what about this? I'm saying, doesn't matter right now. Yep. All I'm focused on is these three things that matter most. Yep. Um, so when, when I talk about making a decision, decide is to off cut. So it's what I'm saying no to. I'm deciding what I'm saying no to so I can say yes because I already know what I'm saying yep. yes to. Okay. Yeah. So I yep. want to learn what I need to say no to. Yeah. Can you define, sorry to interrupt, yep. can you define one of your trigger points? Say over the last three months, what have you hit? When when was the last trigger point that, that hit and what was it? Okay, so uh, right now, I've, so I've hit my 10, my first trigger point was 10 clients on my okay. recurring, uh, my business, what I call my next 90 business evolution yep. process. Okay. So I have 10 clients that I'm servicing and caring for through that process. Yep. And then what that triggers is two things. One is now I market to Brisbane because they're here in Perth and getting five more here. And these two um, trigger points or mm -hmm. things you're gonna do once you get triggered, are they planned out already? Yeah. You know exactly what you're gonna be doing yeah. from an action point of view? Yeah, 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 okay. absolutely. So then, the, the, which is why now the webinar and the, that I'm working on right now, which will launch in the beginning of January, is going to be able to promote the market to Brisbane mm -hmm. market uh, and, and all that to get the five that I need to get there, which will trigger something else, while I'm still getting the five that I need to get here. So once yeah. I get the five here and the five there, that then triggers something else. Yeah. So it's a system. You've got yeah. a system in place where, as a year ago, there was, there was you. Yeah. There was me the and a dream. You, the ego, the dream. <laughs> me and ego floating yeah, around. Yeah, dream with an ego <laughs> running it. And you know what? And I was running on empty. It was like, yeah, yeah. You know, like there's that scene in uh, Top Gun where the. It's like, son, your body's right and check to your ego can't cash or something, right? And, yeah, I, yeah. and, and I was like that. My, my savings were doing the thing. My money was going out the door. Everything was sort of self-imploding at the same time because I was running on ego. Yeah. Right? How uh, do you use the ego just now? Because, uh, I mean, I think the ego is still an important part yep. of who we are. It, it mm. protects us. It, yep. it pushes us, yep. um, be it through, you know, envy or whatever because these sort of negative things that people ego seen as a negative thing these days i think yeah i actually quite like the ego as if it's controlled if it's um observed and, sp and spoken about but um I, I see it as something that can actually pull you through and push you through into into different parts of of your of your life if it's controlled yeah and and uh, uh, and i can we go with it because to me i think my ego was more like a shield it was a I was almost like hiding. It was protecting me, like okay. you said, protecting. Yeah. Yeah. But I think people with a really strong sense of ego, it's an internal thing. Yeah. Like my confidence level in who I am as a human being now is much higher than it ever was. 
Yeah. Um, in any stage of my life, actually. But it's not 100% controlled by the ego. You've no. taken control of it yourself, no, like yeah. your heart. In, yeah. In and so yeah. it's like um, my ego is probably uh, bigger now than what it was. But it's under control, though. But it's where it's placed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I wasn't using You've it. You've not as let a, it loose. <laughs> I haven't weaponized it. You know what you're saying? But some people weaponize their ego. Is Weapon of mass destruction, yeah. it can be. You know, like a lion doesn't have to tell you that it's a lion. Yep. Right? Yep. You don't have to be afraid. A lion doesn't tell you you need to be afraid of me. <laughs> you know you're afraid of a lion. Yes, right? yes. One roar and you're like, I'm out okay. of here. <laughs> you know, so, but I was, I guess at that stage way back when, I was trying to tell people how great I was. Yeah. Now I, I really don't care. Yeah. I know how great I am in terms of what I yep. well, I do like no, in, no, terms no. Of, in a healthy yep. way. Yeah. And what I'm capable of and the value I can bring to other people's lives. Yeah. And that's where my ego is in a healthy spot. Yeah. And I think the, the people with a really strong sense of ego, that's where they play. Yeah. Yeah. They don't okay. need to. I like it. Yeah. Can you define purpose? Because I mean, purpose is obviously a big part of, yeah. of your philosophy and your your story. What what very it, easily easily. Uh, Please understand. Everybody, that, grab a pen. Yeah, gra- seriously, <laughs> grab a pen. This is this is as hard as purpose needs to be. Yeah. Purpose is the problem you're most passionate about solving in the world. And when I say the world, it's your world, whoever your world is. It could be, in in terms of your family, it could be your demographic, your geographic, your industry. I don't care what it is. It's the problem you're most passionate about solving. How do people find that? Because a lot of people are, are maybe not on that path or don't know what it is or find it hard to maybe define where that purpose could be yep. or that passion could be to solve a problem? How do, yeah. people, how do people develop that or at least search for it? Yeah, and I think most people, if you just started searching for it, like I, I, think, I don't think purpose is something you create, it's something yep. you discover. Okay, yeah. And I think it's already in us somewhere, um, especially as you get older and wiser. Like it, it took me 48 years to work out what my purpose was. Um, <laughs> I actually think when you're in your late teens and 20s, the purpose thing is blocked off. Like, I think you need that discovery part. You need that bouncing around. You need yeah. the... But it wasn't something we talked about back in our, no, our days. Like, no. today, it's it's far more popularized yep. term, if you like. And then, yep. But I th- also think it's putting a lot of pressure on young people to find their purpose. You've got you to find must it. have a purpose. Yeah, what's your purpose? <laughs> and like, you know what? I don't know. Just, I don't just, know. Just, just go out and explore things. And Because here's how you discover your purpose and how you can, you know, Go and experience things to find to add to your lists, as I would call them. First thing is, what are the things you're most passionate about? Like, make a list of the things that you're most passionate about. How, how do you know what you're passionate about? What's the feeling? Okay, so if you, what does passion mean? I think it's a hard one to define because it's more an like a I don't know an internal feeling, a excitement you get, or something yeah. that you do without you realizing. Like it's not a chore. Like something, yeah. it's something that you do, and you're just in it, and you sort of maybe lose time. You yeah, yeah. There'll be those things. So those are very modern ways to describe passion. If you like, you know, do what you love, and you never work another day of your life, and all this sort of stuff, and things. <laughs> your money will come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, please don't subscribe to that. Uh, <laughs> but passion, actually, if you go to the root of the word passion, the etymology of the word passion, it means suffering. So the thing you're most passionate about is what are you willing to suffer for or sacrifice for? What are you willing to do no matter what it takes? You know, a lot of people take it. There's a lot of stuff going around um, social media right now about obsession. Like, be, what are you obsessed with, which is beyond passion, apparently. Not the, the Kardashians or anything No, not, like not the <laughs> obsession, no. Uh, but, you know, to me, it's, the, passion is your ability to endure suffering. What are you yeah. willing to suffer through? Not like suffer, like you have to go through pain and suffering, but you you know, if you're not passionate about something and it gets tough, what are you likely to do? Yeah. 
will that will their passion itself bring you through that well, suffering to yeah if you have it it will if you yeah, don't it won't it's not yeah you're going right. to stop right so the passion yep. what you're most passionate about is the thing that you would be willing to go through no matter what and when you know when i sat down when i was going through the financial challenges i was and emotional physical and everything i was i'm like when i decided that this is what i'm willing to suffer for if i lose everything in this process to build what i need to build to achieve what i want to achieve I'm like, I didn't care. If I, you know, I remember even saying to my wife once, I said, look, if we have, I'm putting in our garage, if I have to live in that pizza box on the street to make this happen, that's what I'm willing to do. Yeah. That's passion. Yeah. Right? And I was, I was really willing to do that because we got so close to that um, that it wasn't going to stop me from going after what it was yeah. I knew I needed to do in this pleasure. world. There's no pleasure in it. Well, <laughs> there, well sorry, depending on what, how you define pleasure. Yeah. yeah. But it's not a quick dopamine hit it's yeah, something no, no. that's going to drive you through that will be with you that you'll think about that you'll obsess over yeah yeah and that's like obsession is a really cool term people are using right now but that's also comes with this dangers too right um but you know I, i'm like word language is a hard thing oh yeah because everybody matter. has a different yeah a different take on it as yeah. well so when you're using words please be careful like for me i, I love words now i've got this fascination for words because i want to know where they all came from i'm always looking at the root of the word and you know like decide which means off cut and passion which is suffering and because we use these words just flippantly today but if you go back to the the root of the word so to me make a list of those things that you that you're most passionate about something that you'd be willing to do that you would not give up on and then if you make another list, actually, of all the problems you see in your world, and you look at those, and go, what's the most important or powerful you know, problem that I see that I would love to be able to solve? And somewhere between where your passion and that problem lies at the crossroads is your purpose. Now, that means you might need to go out and experience a whole bunch of stuff to find so. out what you're really passionate course, about. Yeah. Or go out and experience things to see what the world's problems are that you're really, that you're like, oh, that frustrates me. And I'm so excited about this. And that frustrates the crap out of me. And somewhere in crossroads of those two things will be your purpose. You know, I, I wish... When kids were at school, instead of saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? We started asking, what problems would you like to solve when you grow up? Yeah, it shifts the brain into a completely different way of thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and so anyone wants to discover their purpose, start making those lists. And you know what? Your purpose may evolve as you start to discover it because the more you experience things, the closer and closer you'll get to it in, in crystallizing it. And please let me assure you this. If you cannot explain your purpose in 10 words or less, you don't understand it well enough. You're not clear enough because, you know, Einstein said, if you can't explain it, simply you don't understand it well enough. Yep. And when you can articulate your purpose for yourself and or your business uh, in 10 words or less, you're pretty close to it. When it you know, and it's and also please understand, especially from a business context, that if your purpose doesn't serve your customers, it's really not your purpose because <laughs> your business purpose, your business exists to solve problems passionately solve problems for some other people. Yep. You might have a purpose as to why you have that business, but the reason why that business exists is to passionately solve a problem for people, which is its customers. Okay, so there can be multiple layers of purpose. Yeah, and this is what I'm talking about. So this public sense of purpose, if you cannot get your own personal connection, personal meaning within that, then you're not really connected. So it's great that everyone gets out of bed in the morning to go do this, because it's, you know, this is the exciting part. This, you know, and this is why having a purpose in business is really critical, because this is why we should all get out of bed in the morning. I can't wait to go and solve this problem that I'm passionate about in the world today. Because I assure you, nobody jumps out of bed in the morning and goes, geez, I can't wait to make Michael rich today. Right? <laughs> but if you're welcome, you if welcome you, if to you, do If you it feel if you like want. that, please call Michael at MetaCreative and he'll be glad to take you on board. Um, so, we, so there's our public sense of purpose. But if we can actually help that person get their personal meaning connected to that public sense of purpose, you've actually just got a deeper level of engagement now that you'll, you know, and that brings everything to the table that that human being has to offer. That's the power of purpose. And it is ever evolving, I take it. It's, it's, or do you, do you think, 
how far can that purpose? I mean, if it's if you've got your real purpose yep. and it's connected to your business, which has a real purpose, yep. is is that it, or is what 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 things can you do to, or see, do you need to do anything to keep it going? Is this the well, with, with that sense of purpose, uh, like if you, once you get really crystal clear and you're confident that like that hundred percent, this is why my business exists. This is my connection to that. I'm all with that. Purpose creates opportunity. Yeah, it, it doesn't limit you. It actually creates opportunity. You know, because you're looking at things and go, will it help me do this? Yes or no. Will it help us create this? Yes or no. If it's yes, then we can do more of it. You know, because yep. um, you know this whole adage. You know, you know what keeps you up at night. Well, that's all the problems. Right, that's your problems. What keeps me up at night is me thinking about all my problems. What gets me out of the bed in the morning is thinking about other people's problems and how I can help them solve them. Yeah. And all the different ways, because why I do what I do won't change, but how and what I do it today can and will change and will always continue to change. Yeah. You know, that's what we need to understand. So when you think about, like, will it change? No, the why I do what I do won't, won't shift dramatically at all. How I do it today and what I do today can and will be totally different probably in two years, three years. Yeah. Because business is a series of evolutions. Oh, it certainly is you just know, now. Every year. It's, yeah. Uh, and once again, when I talk about staying relevant in the hearts and minds of people you choose to serve, well, why everyone's still going to want that problem to be solved, but how they want it solved today and what they want to do to have it solved. Yeah. It just gets back to when uh, Ford allegedly said, you know, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said more horses or faster horses. <laughs> but he gave them horsepower. Yeah. Right? They did ask for horsepower. Because he was looking at the, at the They wanted the more horsepower. Beyond, yeah. They were looking at how it had to look. He was thinking, and how and what? And he said, well, it's still, it's still the same why, but I'm going to give you a different how and a different what. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Slightly different tact here. Yep. Um, over the last hundred years, who would you define as the perfect leader? Wow. The perfect leader. If there is one. Well, <laughs> I only struggled to answer that initially because... Is the perfect leader an imperfect leader? Well, we, we think about you know really authentic, vulnerable yes. people yeah. in that. Like nobody's perfect. So is the perfect leader the one who's most openly imperfect? Yeah. Who would it be? Uh, or who? It could be a few people. Yeah, I mean there'd be a lot of great leaders out there. We go, wow, they're really amazing leaders. Um, but that's only based on what I'm allowed to know about them. Yep. And I'm always cautious about this. I've always told my kids, be very careful who your heroes are because they're all humans. You know, there's always something going on behind them, behind yeah. the scenes, and nobody's perfect, and they will fall down. He, all heroes yeah. fall down and have moments. I mean, you just have to look at your JFKs, your oh. Steve Jobs, all yeah. these guys. Yeah, like even Elon Musk, I mean, who oh, would be man. one of the most exciting entrepreneurs on the planet. When I say he's one of the greatest leaders, he certainly has some of the greatest leadership philosophies. I was just reading another post on him yesterday, actually, and um, some of the things that he's talking about with his team. I'm like... Man, dude's onto it. Hmm. Um, so demonstrate. But if you ask people who work for him, they might tell you yeah. he's an a-hole. Or <laughs> yeah. they don't handle the pressure. Like if a lot of people you talk about Steve Jobs, would say he was, depending on how you define his leadership in terms of how he led Apple, but in the day-to-day human being interaction, he was a dick. Yeah. You know, yeah. perceivably to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, visionary. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, you could say Obama was a great leader. You know, uh, pfft. Uh, but most people, you speak to a bunch of people there, they'll tell you, eh. You know, yeah. Middle you of know, the road. Right now, if really I too much. put my hand up, I'd say the only person who's really demonstrated to me some of the most amazing leadership skills is the New Zealand Prime Minister. Yeah. Jacinta. Is it Jacinta? Jacinda? Yeah. But I can't she's, remember her second name. Yep. Yeah, she's been demonstrating some of the most phenomenal leadership 
skills. She's very personable. She did this really cool, does some really cool well, stuff. Well, she uses the latest media. technology stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, she's very digital savvy. To... Um, she really relates, she resonates with a lot of people, staying relevant in the hearts and minds of people choose to serve. She's got a real core sense of values. Yep. Um, yep. You know, she's got a charisma about her. Yep. Um, you know, so from that, definitely. Organizationally, you know, there's Richard Branson, but there are a lot of people, once again, will probably have second opinions about that too, but he obviously demonstrates he's got some really sound philosophies. Yep. We buy into his, you know, offerings. Ray Dalio, there's all these people that are out there. I mean, Gary Vee, when he talks about stuff, he talks about leadership, like, yep. he's onto it. Yep. But once again, there could be a bunch of people who, yeah. And I think a trait with a, nearly all of these people, be it the the jobs who was had the big vision for Apple, but mm. on a personal level with his staff was probably, as you said, a bit of a dick. Mm. But there was honesty with all of them. Yeah. It was truth ran through. Yeah, they you didn't know. pretend to be anybody else. <laughs> no. And number two, so, so that um, authentic, vulnerable, uh, you know, that imperfect, perfect leader. Like one of the, I was just with one of my clients and I'm going to give him a shout out because he's like, well, like, I'm, I love spending time with him. Jim Kelly from King's Transportation here in, in WA. G'day, Jim. G'day, Jim. Uh, and I, I just gave him a copy of my book and I wrote in there just like, it's people like him who inspire me to keep going. And he's just like, he just cares so much about his people. Yeah. Um, and is he the best leader he can be yet? No. And he knows it. He admits to that. And he's, but he just, has this passion for his people, for helping them grow. Uh, we created a Kellyism for him. He just said this thing. It was like, uh, invest in your people to get the best out of your people. So he says, it's my job to put more into my people if I expect more out of them. I have to put into them first before I can ask them to give me more. And so he invests in his people. And he just really believes in that. And he's, really, you know, a sense of core family values. Uh, you know, that, and he's, he's authentic. Yeah. Um, there is a general manager of, yeah, you know, of a transportation logistics company. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. so we, we can talk about all these bigwigs and the famous gurus that are all touting out around there. Yeah. But here's a, you know, day-to-day -day hero yeah. of a leader who's out there doing it on the, you know, in, in the real world. I like it. I yeah. like it. So good on you, Jim. <laughs> a big shout out. So what was the name of his company? King's Transportation and King. Logistics. Nice. They're a national company. He's the general manager for the WA oh, operations. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. And once again, just like amazing. I like that. Yeah. It's a question I ask uh, most of the guests that come on the podcast, okay. and I did uh, warn you about this one. Okay. Uh, so hopefully you've done your homework. If you had $10,000 and you were starting everything again from scratch mm -hmm. on a business or on a project, what would you do with that money? Where would it go? Uh, that's because uh, what I would have done with it years ago, because the world was different then, yep. to what I would do today. Um, I would certainly have invested a lot more into a smarter digital marketing strategy, hundred <laughs> um, percent. Uh, yeah, it, it, my mind just keeps going back to I would have invested in me. Yep. Yep. In terms of, but I would have to make sure very smart about what would that investment in me be this time. Yep. You know, like if if I start all again and I had to do it myself, I would have put me through those courses that. I was blessed to be put through okay. the training that I got to receive so I could understand about people and how our mind works and, uh, and that whole human behavior process. Uh, for very sure. complicated people. Uh, Humans absolutely. Are... But the funny thing is, Michael, the process for human behavior is very simple. It's what we run through it yeah. that complicates it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, it would definitely be an investment in myself yep. and uh, in getting very clear on who I am as a human being 
And um, like I said, I'm a slow learner. The, <laughs> took me 48 years to work yeah. this stuff out. Um, uh, but yeah, and then it would certainly be a, a smarter digital marketing strategy for me because I just, you know, uh, and this is quite fa fascinating. Like if you think about, like I'm 54 almost, in, in three months time I'm 54, although I don't sound it, right? I'd say 52. Yeah, but yeah, at least it must be the whiskey. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like uh, for me, uh, I'm a, a slow learner. I look at my life, I'm thinking, you know what? People being born into the world today or even the last 10, 20 years, they don't know what offline is. They understand what mm -hmm. online is. And, and I, I challenge a lot of people, in, in, a lot of people in my age bracket, and you're getting close, um, are, are thinking about, you know, winding down. Mm, nah, uh, uh. Right? So here, if I was going to do it all over again, here's the, the backbone to the philosophy of what I would do, is I'm, let's say I'm 53 right now, almost 54. 35 years ago, I was 18. Today, I still think I have 35 good years ahead of me at least, especially with the advent of modern science and technology, mm -hmm. if I can keep the stem cells on my knee and I can do all this sort of stuff <laughs> and I keep myself moving and keep my gray matter the gr solid. The gray matter is the big one. Yeah, yeah. the gray matter is there. I have at least 35 years. So imagine if I could start all over again today with everything that's available to me t today, like, how, like with all the technology, everything's free. Yep. But I had 35 years of experience. Which you have. Which I do. And now I have another 35 years. And it's like you could grab that hindsight and just flip it over into yeah, the future. and turn it into foresight. Yeah. Right? But leveraging everything that the world has to offer to me today. Which is, I mean, the opportunities out there are stunning. And we're living in one of the best ages that we've ever been in. I know there's lots of talk with, with climate change. And, yeah. and if you watch the news, hmm. everything's negative, number yeah. one. So that, that's my tip for today. Don't yeah. watch the news. Yeah, no, I, I can't remember the last time I watched the news or even read it. Yeah. And yeah. definitely don't watch Today Tonight or any of these things. Yeah. It's, it's going to pollute your grey matter. Well, to you know, and it's, I feel empathy for it. Like, I understand what those shows are about. You know, there's some people who are suffering and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's, yeah. you know, um, the best way to avoid suffering is to start going after what you want. You know, stop running away from what you don't want. Start running towards what you do want. Yeah. But humans uh, are the healthiest we've ever been. Yeah. Poverty is down to the lowest it's ever been. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a really interesting mind flip when you look at the positives that, we, that we're currently sitting in. Yeah. Te from a technological point of view, yeah. from a health perspective, from longevity, child mortality, all that sort of stuff yeah. is at the best it's ever been. And it's only going to get better. It is, yeah. Right, so... We are in our generation's most uncertain of times. Every generation's had their own uncertainty, but this is our generation's most uncertain of times. Yeah. But here's the exciting part. Predictability is now at the window. We used to be able to predict 10 years this, 10 years that. Right? That's all mm -hmm. gone. But there's no opportunity in predictability. But there's tremendous opportunity in uncertainty. Yeah. And this is where this should be the most exciting of times for us as human beings to be able to do whatever it is you want. For people who have been you know, working to live and all this stuff and in jobs they just don't enjoy and things like that, you have the opportunity right now to step out and do something that you do love yeah. and find a way to start monetizing it and operationalizing that pure sense of purpose that you have to create whatever life it is you want for yourself by serving other people. Yeah. And, whereas, and you can do it virtually for free. Like for what we get to do with YouTube and you name it, all this sort of stuff, even the phones, and it would cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars. Even 10, 10, 15 years ago, when I had my other business back in Canada, back in 1999, for me to have gone to that production quality I can do today, or even a podcast like this. Oh, it's ridiculous. The, the, the cost. <laughs> and, and now the reach and everything yeah. like that. And just the, the opportunities for business. Um, yeah. You know, I'm still fed, people are still talking about the financial sort of the feeling of the financial sort of downturn, which happened mm. now 11 years ago. Yeah, get and over WA, it. WA, it took a little bit of time yeah. for it to kind of hit WA, but yeah. I've always 
just not, not ignored it, but it's, I've never used it as an excuse. People in business use it as an excuse every day. Yeah. Oh, oh, the market's still down. Oh, the market. Oh, yeah. you know. So you're like, what you're saying is the market determines your success. So you're a commodity. Yeah. Because that's what a commodity yeah. is uh, yeah. when the market determines the price. And is that probably a detachment from purpose? Is that a detachment from what you're wanting to do with your business that you're talking about? Yeah, because about? you're giving control to something else, which is called the market. Yeah. You're saying, well, uh, my business is at the will or mercy of the market. Because anyone can do business when it's good. Exactly. And WE's been through that. Yeah, that's right. And this yeah. is why I challenge a lot of business owners right now. You know, great, you, you've got your million-dollar homes, you've got $100,000 land cruisers, you've got all this sort of stuff. Business is struggling now. Show me how good a business owner you are yeah. now because anybody could do good when it, was, when it was good. Yeah, and when the boom was on, it was like, I think the disconnect there is there was no connection to the people. It was, no. let's just take, take, take. Make the track, the truck was backing up the doors and doors, <laughs> beep, 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 boom, the doors, money would fall yeah. out. You could just put a shingle up and say, I do that. And people go, I need lots of that. Yeah. So we had order takers, not salespeople. Yeah. Like, how many of those do you want? Okay, look at me, I'm a great salesperson. Look at the relationships I have with people. And, <laughs> and I don't, you know, this might be offensive to a few people out there who might be listening, but I'm saying, seriously, this is what it was like. Yeah. It's not like that anymore. Certainly not. So, you know, Pardon the expression, get over it. Yeah, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was up in Geraldton on the weekend. He's a, slightly older than me. Um, he's talking about, oh, Dave's like this, all this stuff on, and it's, it's just terrible. And I'm like, mate, if we're sitting here in a tornado, I'm going, holy crap, we're in a tornado. How can I deal with it? How can I interpret it? How can I? And you're going, hands over eyes, going, there's no tornado, there's no tornado, there's no tornado. D- denying that it exists when it's happening isn't the answer. <laughs> yeah. You know, or you know, how are you gonna how are you gonna deal with it? You know, that's what we need to start doing. Show me what you got now. Yeah, face it. Yeah, absolutely. Because this actually is a very exciting time. So exciting time for people to get in, you know, and if if your business model is done, you know, and I firmly believe that every business, you know, has a business model, right? Every business model has a shelf life. My question is, has yours expired and you just don't know it yet? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so you have a yeah, choice. Yeah, you've got the blinkers on. Yeah. yeah. And you have a choice. You can either put yourself out of business or have somebody do it for you. And they're, they're there. Yeah. Well, when, when you put yourself out of business, all you're doing is putting your old way of doing business out of business. Yep. When somebody else puts you out of business, you're out of business. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what we have the opportunity today. You can create whatever you want. There's hardly any price tag to it. Um, yeah, it means you have to do something different. Yeah, you might have to learn some new skills. Maybe Damn you have it. to do learn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I finished school back in 1984. What do I have to learn? I tell now? you what, I've learned more in my 40s than I did my whole teens and 20s. I'm on a. I, I mean, I'm, I'm quite um, selective with what I'm, I'm doing. But yeah. the grey matter question, or the yeah. grey matter you were talking before, yeah. it's we have neuroplasticity. Our yep. brain can, even at our age, and that's the thing. You know, you go down the negative path. We're getting older. We, we have our memories getting worse. This is happening. It's you still see 90-year-olds go to college, oh, mate. So tell me yeah, that you're, yeah, yeah. you can't learn something. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's, it's such a good thing to do. I mean, I just did an online course. Um, I've always been a, a bit of a science enthusiast and did an online course um, covering the special theory of relativity oh, just yeah. to test myself. And this was something from a, a time perspective. It was only like two, hours of the, two or three hours of the weekend, every weekend. But it was just really good to, to, to think <laughs> Like to deeply think as well and try yeah. and understand abstract concepts and I mean I'm sure I mean the, the wine I had on the Friday night probably <laughs> destroyed a few neurons but yeah. like the, on the Saturday I built some more connections back up which yeah. was great so um, but how easy is it to consume content now oh. like quality content still you can get great quality content like audiobooks like I can podcast. go riding my push bike and listen to an audiobook or a podcast or whatever at the same time yep. 
and I'm you know, physically getting better, I'm mentally getting better. Yep. There's no reason why any one of us can't learn a new def- skill or Definitely a new no thing. excuse for learning. No, absolutely yeah, not. At any age. Yeah, other than just a lack of desire. Yes. So Before we finish off, yep. I have a couple of quick fire questions, Oof. which I didn't. Okay, you didn't prep me for this I didn't one. prep you for. <laughs> okay. But a uh, big shout out to Tim Ferriss, who I was uh, listening to podcasts the other day. He, I can't remember the guy's name, Alan. I can't remember the guy. Paul hmm. Attia, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and he had a, a really interesting format for it. And these are a couple of questions he had asked the guy. But he asked five things for each of these things. I'm yep. just going to ask you one. Okay. And only two questions. Okay, so. great. What scares you currently? Sharks. <laughs> My nickname is Sharkbait Bruhaha. Aha, okay. Well, has there been an experience with I've a been shark? in the uh, Australian waters four times, and uh, four times I've been counted. Four times? Four times in uh, the number of years I've been here, and I've encountered deadly creatures every single time okay. I've been 2020, in the water. you're going to start off the first week. You're going to go down to the coast. Yeah. You're going to go for a swim. Go to Medham's Pool. There's lots of old people around <laughs> okay. there. You can go, go in there and feel quite safe. No Next sharks. Next question. <laughs> sharks and needles. Sharks and needles, most. okay. Would you like something more deeper than that? Is no, that no, that's at? fine, that's okay. fine. If that scares you, you know, It scares the crap out of me. I can't, even watch, I can't even watch needles on the TV. What about a shark with a needle? Is that... Oh, like <laughs> flying sharks with needles, I'm out. <laughs> and tornadoes, oh, yeah. Um What excites you for 2020? Oh, what excites me? Like, I am uh, just the opportunity that it's it's going to bring you know I, I, it's kind of like it's a new decade it's not just another year it's the beginning of a new decade i know like you know we, we, everyone jokes me like you know uh wouldn't it be great to have 2020 vision well guess what next year everybody does you know how cool is that <laughs> i like that I like <laughs> you know, it's that. like um but no i'm just i'm so excited about the opportunity 2020 that, that's insane oh, i know 2020 like, if you asked me back when I was, like, 18... Like what would you be doing? Yeah, you know, 1984. What about 2020? I'm, like... Flying in cars <laughs> around. Yeah, well, Back to the Future kind of got a little bit wrong, but, you know, <laughs> hey. the um, But, you know, I'm just so excited for the uh, the opportunity. Um, and, you know what, only because I'm prepared and I'm ready. And yes. I'm, I'm the yeah, most clear yeah, and yeah. focused that I am, that I've ever been, um, you know, uh, uh, in terms of why I would do what I do, what I want to do, the impact I want to have on the world my life, everything like that, all, it's just there. Now it's, it's almost like someone just wiped the, the slate clean. There's a whole brand new whiteboard with nothing on it. And it's a whole decade. Because I, I read... Whiteboard so, is so like early 2000s. Day. I know, but that's the highest. <laughs> someone put it, what's the best piece of technology you've ever used? Whiteboard. Oh, a whiteboard. <laughs> yeah. I love a whiteboard. Um, but if you, if, if you look at I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. That's all right. Um, but anyway, so we've got like th- this 10-year blank slate. Yep. Um, and that's right. Yeah. So I, I read it somewhere. I heard someone say it was um, people overestimate what they can do in one year, but underestimate what they can do in 10. Mm. Right. So I'm thinking we're at the beginning of a brand new decade. And the, my 50s, 50 to 60s, it can be the most epic years of my life. I like it. Yeah. And, and so I'm excited that this is the, you know, all this stuff. This is the beginning of that 35 year, you know, like it's the first step, January 1st. 2020, it's my first step into that new decade. And I think you have a, a completely valid point there. And, and I think a lot of, too many people think, okay, there's lots of opportunity and it's going to happen quickly. Mm. It's a long game. Yeah, and I'm it's thinking a, 35 years. So what yeah. am I going to do in the next 10? So I'm, I'm looking, okay, I know where, what I want to accomplish in the next three. Uh, and that's what I'm focused on. But I, like, I'm not stressing out whether what I do in one or two or three or 10, because I got 35. Maybe even more. Yeah, at oh. least minimum 35. Subject to anything else, 
but if I take care of myself and do everything like that, you know, you never know what happens in your life, but at that, yeah. um, I've got 35. So one third of that is this decade. Like, I mean, that's just the way my mind thinks. I'm like, I'm just so excited about the opportunity that it will bring and the learning and the evolution of myself and who I'm going to continue to grow and evolve into be in terms of where I want, in terms of the yep. goals I want to accomplish. Because please understand, anybody who's listening to this, you know, this adage that if you want to grow your business, grow your people is a bunch of BS. Uh, it's actually, if you want to grow your business, you need to grow yourself. It's because the more you grow, the more your business can grow. Mm -hmm. The more you grow, the more you can be for your people. Therefore, your people can become more by helping them become more and then your business and then your customers get more who we're all here to serve anyway. I like it. Yeah, like so it. so this, mate, what I'm most excited about is this opportunity for the next 10 years Beautiful. to be in the 2020s. 2020s and, and, you know, you know, and, and be able to do that with some amazing young adults in terms of my kids and just, just to see what they're going to do with their lives. Yep. And, you know, probably this year, this decade, I'll become a granddad again, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> that's just my knee just hurt just then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So that's why I got to get in shape so I can. Do you think in the up. in the 2020s yeah. a Canadian team will win the the national hockey league, hockey the league. Stanley Cup? Well, let's put it this way: we won the uh, U.S. Tennis Open, we won the NBA, okay. the basketball, yeah, oh, and, yeah, and yeah, Canada yeah. No, would gladly trade both of those to take the, the <laughs> Stanley Cup back. You can have both those titles back. We want our Stanley Cup. But here's the funny thing: it's just like anything. Twenty Canadians win the Stanley Cup every year. <laughs> Of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, like on a 40-team roster, 20 of them are most likely Canadians yeah. anyway. So the Stanley Cup always comes back to Canada, just not under a Canadian badge. <laughs> I like it. Like it. Where can people find Mr. Dave Clare? Uh, the simplest place I tell people to look is just at my website, www.daveclare, the Irish way, dot com. To be uh, sure. Yeah. So daveclare.com. Uh, all my social media links and everything are on there. Uh, but also quite active on LinkedIn. Uh, very, LinkedIn's very. You know, LinkedIn would probably be my number one platform that I, I'm most active on. Uh, but yeah, so if you search me there, and I'd, I'd love to connect with anybody. Um, and all connections are done by me personally. I send personal voicemails to everybody that I actually connect with on LinkedIn as well. Yes, uh, LinkedIn's a great platform. Yeah, but like I say, like I, as soon as anyone connects with me, I send a personal voice message back to them, thanking them for reaching out to connect with me. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so that it's not some Autobot responder or anything like that. They know it's me who's actually you just speaking a robotic voice. That yeah, thank you for <laughs> thank calling you. me, Blair. I, I appreciate your connection on LinkedIn. <laughs> it's really him doing it. Though. Yeah, this is really me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's once again it's it's that personal touch. Um, so like, if anyone reached out to me. Um, through my website, through contact, I will. It's me getting back to you. I like it. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy New Decade. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Uh, someone's got to write a song about 2020. I'm sure it's got to be. We had a party like it's 1999. What are we gonna do? Like do something for 2020? I know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it really, uh, it was a great way to cap off the year with the Meta Bytes podcast. <laughs> this has been the. It's the only way to end the year. Uh, what a way a to peak out at the end of the year, right? <laughs> They, no, really, it can only go up from here. That's yeah, oh, it's, uh, yeah. The rest of this year, come on, uh, it's been a privilege. Nearly done one hour. I yeah, like it. it yes, because yes, I've uh, you've got to head off to yeah, a, a do on the river on yes. a forty-one degree day. I know it's beautiful. It's perfect place yes. to be. And I'm sure I'm getting messages galore from my I wife going, "Where them. are you?" <laughs> so my phone. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Dave Clare. No, thank you, Michael Duncan. Over and out for this year. I will be back. Harder and stronger, Justin Bourne. We will have you on the podcast yes. next year. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you, and no, have a lovely pleasure. end of the year. You too. Cheers. Cheers.